What's up, everybody? This is Andrew May. This is the Allegory and Elm podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Katie May. What's up? Today, we are here to talk about revelation, rebirth, and rebuild. We're here to shoot the shit and be real. So if that sounds like something you're into, let's go. In the last two weeks, we have shared about our unravelings, our deconstruction from Christian faith. Uh, Andrew shared his, and then Katie shared her story. And now we're kind of just wanting to talk through where we're currently at and, uh, you know, on a faith journey or just uh, in life without Christianity as the central force in our marriage and in our lives. So yeah, both our faith journeys were actually both of our unraveling stories. Mine was over a decade long and I think yours was similar. And I want people to understand that if you decide, it doesn't necessarily have to be faith-based, but if you decide that you want to start questioning some of the things in your life that you're not content with, that you're not okay with being there, then it's going to be uncomfortable. And one of our core tenets at Allegory and Elm is embrace discomfort. And it's a core tenet for a reason, because all of our growth elm part of allegory and elm is growth all of the growth for us has happened in those uncomfortable places they don't happen in the comfortable places for us you know talking about infidelity and talking about miscarriage and grief and you know leaving our faith those are uncomfortable places but we're actually growing the most whenever we talk about those things it's not shock jock let's talk about the most controversial things it's a lot of people don't talk about this stuff and there's a lot of healing there. I feel like healing has happened for me over time of going to those uncomfortable places. And so for me, my own experience in Christianity, it was comfortable because it was what I knew. It was what I grew up with. It felt safe and happy. And there was a lot of comfort there, but realizing that I wasn't necessarily growing mm. in the ways that I wanted to in that space. Well, you weren't challenging yourself to grow because you were just falling back on the promises of God and Jesus, and it mm. didn't push you to grow except in that one perspective. One area, yeah. Yeah. And so I think when you kind of blow the whole damn thing open, you realize there's so many more possibilities for how you can grow within your business, within your spirituality, within your health, your mental health, your physical health, your relationships. It just opens up so many more possibilities to me. And I feel like I don't want to run the risk of seeming like this is an infomercial for leaving Christianity. It's just stay in Christianity if you want, but ask yourself the tough questions and don't be afraid to give yourself tough answers. Right. If you're unsatisfied with the answer you're giving yourself, call it like it is and say, no, um, that doesn't sit right right now. Actually. I, I I'm not going to let you get away with that answer anymore. That answer doesn't hold water this time. Let's, let's explore that further. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is it's okay 
to question. It's okay to wonder. It's okay. We're built to wonder. We're built to imagine. We're built to create. We're built to create life for ourselves. Like, I honestly feel like that is our purpose here. It's not to look like, what's the guy up the street? Bob down the road. <laughs> Bob down the road. With his dick. It's not to look like Bob down the road. It's not to look like Angie down the street. It's not for me to look like Andrew and Andrew to look like me. It's for all of us to look like who we are, to claim who we are, to mature that person, to grow, to change. Like when someone says to me, oh, you've changed. I'm like, thank you. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. I'm not meant to stay the same. I'm not meant to go through this life looking like my 20-year-old self. Yeah. And I'm on, I'm 36. Like I'm not, I shouldn't look the same. No. I shouldn't physically look the same and I shouldn't mentally, emotionally, and spiritually look the same. Yeah. I should evolve. Yeah. And I want, on that note, I want people to know that we can coexist. And sometimes I think that in Christianity, even like myself as a Christian, whenever I would be confronted with anti-Christian sentiments, I would kind of ignore it or push it away or say that's not right. You're just so lost. But I want people to know that we can coexist in the fact that if someone tells me that they had a beautiful spiritual moment with Jesus and that they were dancing together, they they, they were dancing with their Messiah and all that, I think that's great. They were throwing up their hands in prayer and and all of that. I think that that's beautiful. And I would love for people to be able to tell me that and not feel like I'm going to judge them. I will not judge you. That is beautiful. Good for you. And I would love for myself, though, to be able to say the same thing of, you know, like I had this amazing moment with my mom in my meditation. She was there with me. She was sitting with me on my porch drinking coffee with me. And it was incredible. And not feel this sense of judgment, but feel, you know, kind of what we were talking about before about compassion Mm. and curiosity and saying like, oh, I think that's incredible that you had that experience. And not treat it like it's some secular woo-woo shit. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I think we're here for is to make meaning to make meaning with our experiences. And the only way to make meaning, in my opinion, is to work toward healing. I don't know that we can ever fully heal from the things that we go through in life, but I think we can always continue to work toward it. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the things that I think about with fondness on that belief structure and belief system and just the community around it, I think one, just having that much connection with people over a common set of beliefs is really unifying in in a lot of ways to feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself, bigger than other people coming together with other people with a common purpose and goal, I think is so empowering. So I think for me, I always felt connected to other people Mm -hmm with this one belief system. Yeah. It was I, easy to connect mm-hmm. on that one premise. Yeah, I felt the same way. I think that's the biggest thing that I have missed from church and from Christianity is the sense of connectedness. 
whether it's by you doing it in your own mind or it's the actual reality of people not connecting as much with you, I feel like when you start to claim, hey, this is what I actually think, a lot of times it's it's staking a claim to where people are like, oh, we don't align in our views anymore. I think it makes it harder for people to know how to connect with you, like especially mm-hmm. if that's their worldview, if that's what they see a lot of life through is that one perspective of their Christian faith, which it is pretty all-consuming when you're in it. And so I think when you meet people that aren't, or especially if you know people in your life that once were and now aren't in that same belief structure, it's hard to know what to talk about and what to connect over. And I think too, just like people fear like saying the wrong thing or offending you or making you uncomfortable. I mean, one thing I would just say is it's not your job to make other people comfortable. So whether you believe one thing or another, like believe what you believe and be respectful, but don't be afraid to speak up. Like if you're feeling in the moment, like you want to talk about God, that is absolutely not going to offend me. Or if you want to talk about Jesus, that's your worldview. That's your perspective. And I totally respect that. I'm not going to be offended by that at all. Now, if you start to try to push that on me or make me, you know, feel like I need to question my own self in a way that's more like judgmental, then I might feel a little bit offended by that. But that's for me to sort out. Yeah. It's not really for other people to sort out my feelings. Yeah. But I do think it's just it, be respectful and, you know, claim who you are, claim what you believe, be grounded in that, but be open to meeting other people where they are and realizing that it's okay if we believe different things. Even people within the Christian faith believe different things. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just helped, you know, to know that world. You know, I do feel a loss of like the com- the community and more of that instant connection of like being in the family of God. But it's also helped me to open my mind to the vastness of God. Mm-hmm. To like really think about God as this omniscient, omnipresent being that is in all of us. Mm-hmm. It's helped me to really connect with other people on a spiritual level that I don't think I would have if I hadn't been grounded in some sort of faith-based religion for Mm -hmm. so long. Yeah. I feel like I miss music, you know, not that we can't have music outside the church, but that was an avenue for both of us to, you know, volunteer and really for me was a creative outlet in where, in which I could, you know, share my spiritual gift of drumming. You know, I'm a drummer and I love playing the drums. And, you know, when we were involved in the church, I could really be creative with the other, you know, essentially band members. It was perfect for me because being a father of two kids, I don't have time to be in a band as an adult. You know, that's, I was in bands throughout my life, you know, as a high schooler and in college and, and whatnot. And that works for that lifestyle because you don't have as many responsibilities. But as an adult, I just didn't have the time for it. But once a month where I can get together with, you know, it wasn't always the same band members. There was would be, you know, different people who would volunteer. And so that's something I deeply miss is that connection musically to other people. And 
just, you know, that like we, we said, a common goal. And I alluded to the fact that I've gotten some of that out of Taekwondo now. We are involved in a Taekwondo school and community that we, we do have a common goal, which is support, which is supporting one another. And, you know, there are sub goals within that. There's, you know, I have a goal of becoming a black belt as does Katie. And so there are, that could be seen as the common goal, but it's, it's really not. I, I more so see the school as their, their goal and their focus is to support each other and, uh, create positivity and positive habits. But there are practices in place that I think that I want to implement in other areas of my life. And we have in small doses. So instead of prayer, like meditation has become more of a staple in our lives. And it's something that we start off our Taekwondo class with is, is meditation. I find any time that I'm able to meditate, I'm able to tap into that source that I talked about in my episode, episode 17. And it's, you know, I'll just kind of state it again. The source to me is the source of goodness, the source of life, the source of just whatever the thing is. It could be the source of Taekwondo or the source of, you know, relationships. It's uh, energy, right? Yeah. It's energy basically. I mean, I think it's the same thing and people would probably argue with this, but when you pray to God, you are connecting to a higher source of energy. When you meditate, you are connecting to a higher source of energy. Mm-hmm. It's the the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of feel like when we die, we don't go to heaven or hell. I, I don't really believe in those places specifically, but I do feel like we become a different energy. And, you know, <laughs> I have so much indoctrination of even when I say stuff like that there's still a part of my brain that says, dude, that's woo-woo as fuck. Is it Brad? Is it Brad? I I don't know if it's Brad or if it's just, uh, if it's just Andy May, if it's Christian Andy May being like, having that mindset. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe Christian Andy May is AKA Brad. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like when you talk about this like greater energy or, I mean, you've been brought up like when you used to think about doing yoga, you thought that was just like from the devil. Secular, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that is really indoctrinated in us. Like, no, that is not a replacement for prayer. No, that is not a replacement for Jesus. No, that is not, you know, like there's such firm teachings that I feel like we've acquired over time that is hard to like unleash that from mm-hmm. yourself. You know, it's hard to separate it out and be like, no, I don't be- like, it's almost like a self-limiting belief mm-hmm. that you've learned over the years. It's like, no, I don't believe that anymore. Right. But it's still like there. So I think that is there. And then I also think that there is like the inner guide and the inner guide can actually tell you to pay attention to stuff that will help you on a growth journey or will help you on your spiritual journey, you know, it's, it's when you have that runner's high or that meditation or that thing that happens that makes you just feel really peaceful. I think that's the inner guide saying, 
this is wholesome and right. And so I think that's why we have felt some reluctance to, uh, you know, some of the homosexuality thing that we alluded, things that we alluded to, um, and some of the things that seem to come from a place of hate, not from a place of love, seem to come from a place of exclusion and not acceptance, not support. And so for me, really listening to that inner guide is important. And sometimes the inner guide can be overshadowed by the uh, negative self-talk, the mm. Andy May or the Brad or the whatever that little voice is that is kind of trying to, it's you know, kind of the devil and angel thing. It's, you know, if, if you want to think of it in that kind of silly old cartoony way, the inner guide is that angelic, it's that angel voice that's telling you this is actually the right way and this is the path. And then you have that kind of devil voice, the Brad, the Andy May, that's like, you're stupid. You're an idiot, you know? Which and is like not like whenever you hear that voice, like that is automatically something to pay attention to and know that that is not your guide, right? Like that negative, shameful, downing voice, that's your conditioning. That is not your consciousness. Um, it took me a long time to understand that, like really recently <laughs> to understand that. Because I used to think, oh, well, that voice is telling me something. I might want to listen. Something it's important. important. Yeah. But really, it's it's just noise. Mm -hmm. Because your inner knowing, your inner source, the, the guy that you're talking about, it is never going to speak to you in a way that makes you feel less than. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Yeah, it it is noise, but I also think that it is telling you information as well. And I think the information is a lot of times your insecurities. And so I think it's good to take note of what the kind of inner negative self voice is saying to be able to understand maybe like, no, that's not true for me. I, I actually want the exact opposite of what you're saying. Yes, I agree. It is not noise. Like it is important to pay attention to it and know like what, when your negative self-talk voice, your Brad, your devil voice, mm -hmm. when, whatever it starts talking, like what is it saying? Because it often repeats the same things or the same themes. And it is important to know like, what are your not enough statements? What are your insecurities? What are your fears? Because until you know what those things are, you're going to live out of them. Yeah. And so going into my deconstruction episode, my unraveling and putting that out on social media, just the first few posts in the first few days where I was kind of leading up to, this is what we're talking about this week. I'm not a Christian. And some of you know that and some of you don't know that at all. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to be judged. I'm afraid that you're just not going to understand. I'm afraid that you're going to want to disassociate yourself with me. You're not going to want to hire me as your photographer. You're not going to want to have anything to do with me. You're going to want to unfollow me on social media, uh, which, you know, that's not a huge deal, but it is just a little assertion of, I don't support this or I don't support you. I don't accept you as the whole person that you are. Mm -hmm. I would if you believe the same thing that I do, but because you don't, I can't continue to support you, support you or subscribe to you or follow you. Uh, it's almost like that statement right there says, 
that any value you have in anything else you have to say in your life is negated by the fact that you don't hold this belief that I hold to be mm -hmm. very real and true for me. And I, that's tough. You know, I, I've experienced some of that this week. Uh, we released the episode, my episode this week, and uh, I have experienced more so a lot of people reaching out and being very supportive and being very loving and sharing their own perspective that is similar to, to mine or just loving me as I am and not trying to fix me. And that's the thing is when people are coming out of a belief system or they're coming out of the closet or they're uh, sharing information that is vulnerable, you don't need to try to fix them. We don't need language of, oh, you're broken now and I have the answer to fix you. Mm. That's hurtful language. And, and when you treat people like they need to be fixed, it makes them feel inadequate. And that is somewhat how I felt when, you know, telling people I'm no longer Christian and I'm treated in that way of you're broken. It just makes me feel inadequate and not loved. Mm -hmm. So what would be like a better response from people? Like if people are really curious about how to do this better, because I think we all, I mean, I can learn and grow in how to respond to people who are telling me vulnerable or hard things or things that I may not totally agree with. How can we show up in a way that communicates love and support even if we don't understand it. Yeah. Probably the, the two C's I would say like compassion and curiosity are the two best things. And so coming from a place of compassion and, you know, realizing that a person's not saying their truth to offend you or to somehow, um, impede your life in any way. It's not about you, honestly. And so, kind of, you know, doing, doing some inventory on your ego and saying, okay, for one, this isn't about me. This is about this person. And how can I be compassionate to what they're saying? That is obviously very real and very true for them. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing. And then curiosity, you talk about this all the time, being curious about where they're coming from instead of trying to fix it. And so, you know, reaching out in a compassionate way by saying, you know, my brother-in-law, he reached out to me and said, uh, he, he listened to our episode, my episode on my unraveling. And he just said some very kind things point by point. The, my three keystone moments where I was really let down by Jesus, God, the church, he just kind of went through each one and just apologized to me on behalf of, you know, the, the, the people who had done from my perspective, the wrong. A hurtful thing. A hurtful thing. And he just was very compassionate. So I think compassion is really important and saying like, oh, you have a story that you have baggage and I actually have some context now for that baggage. So mm -hmm. sometimes if you just hear, oh, I'm not a Christian anymore, people don't have context and they're like, oh, you're a hellion. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just... You've lost your morals or your mom got diagnosed with cancer and she's uh, she died and you've just fallen off the deep end. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you're just confused. Yeah, and so, you know, it goes back to what we've talked about before where you just create stories based on, you know, the the information that you have, which is limited. Right, you're assuming. Yeah, and so, you know, with with the way my brother-in-law approached it, it was from a compassionate place that made me feel validated in my feelings, regardless of whether he disagrees or not. Mm. Uh, he validated my feelings and he did not try to fix me whatsoever. He did not say, hey, all these things, I'm so, so sorry, but Jesus is still king and you need to believe. Got to get your shit together yeah, it's, if you want to go to heaven. Yeah, it, when you when you are compassionate, it kind of just cuts right through the compassion if you go straight to a place of, I apologize, now let me fix you. It was just, I don't know. I mean, I think it goes back to that, I love you, but. I mean, I think you taught me that like a couple years ago. And when we you used to say that shit to me all the time. Yeah, I used to say, say like, I love you, but blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you used to say like everything you actually mean comes after the but. Yeah. It totally negates the f- whole first part of that. Right. And it really stuck with me. And I still probably do it sometimes, but I definitely am more mindful because even with our kids, sometimes I'll catch myself. I love you, honey, but. If you would have just done this thing or if you would have just acted this way, I would love you more. And I don't want that to be what Mm -hmm. I communicate to people. Like, I just want to simply say, like, I love you. And I think a better thing could, because I think we all want to be seen and heard. We all want our points known. We all want, we all want to be right. Let's just be honest. Like our egos want us to be right. I think the practice of consciousness is realizing that we don't have to be right. It doesn't have to be black and white. In fact, it is not black and white. Um, And it's okay to just be compassionate and not have to be right. Mm -hmm. To just say, I love you, and I really appreciate that you are willing to share that. Like, I think I love you and, if you're going to add anything onto that, is a much, my therapist has actually used that. Like, I love you and whatever, instead of but. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be cautious with that. It's not, I love you and I love you so much. I don't want to leave you that way. It's, I love you and let's, let's talk about this. I'm curious as to what sort of steps led you down this path of, you know, moving away from what we grew up with. This is what we've known and this has been our tying bond and you're kind of severing some of the ties now. Like, you know, uh, I'm genuinely curious about what steps or what things happened in your life that led you on that path. Because I'm certain that you didn't just wake up one morning and decide, hmm, this is not for me. It, I, you know, I, I think you have to have some sort of introspection. And this is something I realized, I don't know, it's kind of embarrassing to say as like within the last two years. So in my 30s, it took me until my thirties to learn this, that in general, most people are trying their best and most people are out for like doing their best and showing up their best and being good. There's a lot of people like outliers, murderers, rapists. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm speaking about just the general human and 
I think that what I've found is that in a lot of cases where I'm misunderstanding someone, they're trying their best. They're showing up their best and I don't have all the context. So Mm. that's an area where I've had to kind of slow down whenever I feel frustrated or angry or upset with someone. I have to kind of just settle, settle myself down and realize that I don't have the entire story. I don't Mm -hmm. have all the context. And so, yeah, compassion and curiosity. Yeah. I think are important. Yeah. I think, I think that's key. I would say compassion has become a spiritual practice for me. How so? Um, I think just realizing the value of approaching life with compassion and empathy, it's rooted in, letting go of the ego. Mm-hmm. Like it is a practice of letting go of the ego because in order to show up with compassion and empathy, you have to let go of your ego. You have mm-hmm. to let go of this position of being right. You have to show up without that if you want to show up with compassion. And I think it's it's a practice. It's hard. I don't always do it well, but I think it's definitely a practice I want to continue on a spiritual level. Because when I, especially being a nurse, I think compassion is a core tenet of being a nurse. Um, If you want it to be, it should be. (laughs) But not all nurses show up with compassion. We've we've certainly had our share of bad interactions. But, um, But I think it's important to practice it. Yeah. And continue to try to come from a compassionate place. Yeah even if you mess it up from time to time and saying like, I did not show up with compassion like I wanted to in that moment. Right. Give yourself some compassion and move on and try again differently next time. Yeah. Self-compassion. That's, that's a good word too, because I definitely messed up today and I had to realize that, you know, I, I had to have enough compassion for myself to, be able to forgive myself and kind of figure out what was, it it was not being compassionate was clouding my vision and clouding my judgment on why I was so frustrated. And once I was able to kind of have some self-compassion, I was able to figure out, oh, this is the actual reason why you're frustrated and you're projecting this other stuff. Mm. And another thing that I feel like we have that you've tried to start implementing into our family in terms of spiritual practice. I I think it is a spiritual practice is gratitude. And I think that you do a really good job of uh, showing up with gratitude and being grateful. And I think it's really important for people to have gratitude in their lives at dinner. A lot of times you'll say, does anybody have a gratitude about today? And just stating those gratitudes, stating those things that we're thankful for, is really important. During Taekwondo yesterday, uh, we were doing sit-ups and we had to call out like the different things that we were grateful for. And as we were doing it, it it was it felt silly, but it also was really cool to just remember what we're thankful for. And I think when you show up with gratitude for the other person and for maybe their bravery, if they're coming out with information that's new to you, having gratitude and gratefulness that you know someone who is brave enough to say I'm gay or I'm trans or I'm not a Christian or I am a Christian or 
I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, whatever they say. Yeah, anybody staking claim on who they are is brave. Mm-hmm. Like actually being able to verbalize who you are, what you want to believe in, what your purpose is, what you're going for is brave. So if somebody's willing to stand up and say that to you personally or like this in a bigger scene, it's so important like to acknowledge thank you for being willing to talk about this hard thing with me. Thank you for being willing to go into the depths of this. Yeah. So what if somebody feels like they want to stake a claim for who they are or share a part of themselves that feels super vulnerable? Like what? Because obviously this is not for everybody. Being on a podcast or going public with certain information, like I respect that that is not for everybody. So what other options do people have if they are ready to speak up, but they're not necessarily ready to tell the world or even tell anybody else? Like what can they do? Yeah, there are options for sure. And it it takes that first step, you know, that kind of f- step of faith. This kind of correlates and, and relates to what we're talking about. That first step of, you know, bravely going out and saying, I'm going to tell my closest homie. I'm going to tell my closest person. Or, you know, maybe maybe it's therapy or maybe it's, something like embrace yourself whole. Maybe it's something like your business and, you know, contacting someone who does whole health care and can actually, you know, maybe it's alcoholism that someone's dealing with. Maybe it's uh, something to do with their sexuality. Maybe it's a porn addiction. Maybe it's some sort of eating disorder or just overeating, you know, Health, mental health, all that is really important. And so finding someone to where there is confidentiality is, I think, really a a good place to start. I think it can be a scary place to start for a lot of people. And people may not necessarily want to go that route, but it is available and it is something that you offer. And yeah, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah, I mean, I would first say, if you are like one, you have to become aware of like the feeling that you're having of being restless or feeling stuck or feeling like I feel like there's more to my life that I need to figure out. There's more to me. There's more I want to work on in life. You have to pay attention to that feeling. You're going to know it in yourself. For me, it presented as like a restlessness. I don't know how it necessarily presented for you. I'm not sure, to be honest. I think it might have been restlessness. I, Yeah, probably. Just it, like a restless, almost irritability sometimes. Yeah, it was an irritability. It was, is this all there is? Is this it? And so I think you have to pay attention to that, first of all, and, and be able to acknowledge, because nobody likes to ask for help. That's so hard. So whether that's like therapy or coaching or like you said, even just speaking it to someone you love, like that's really hard. That's really brave. But I think you have to get to the point in your life where you are like, I don't care what I have to do. I don't want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to keep going through these motions. I want to figure this out. You have to be willing to admit it to yourself. Yeah. That something is off. Yeah. And I think what I found too was 
you think <laughs> your mind will tell you that the thing that you're holding on to is just going to make everything worse if you tell people that thing. But what you find is that a lot of people rally around you and you find that people don't, they don't identify you as that thing. They don't identify you as, I mean, some people do, some people are cruel, but that's oftentimes the vocal minority, you know? And I found that speaking truth with a lot of different things that are dark that I could have just held in has really helped me to have confidence. And I know that everybody else has fucked up shit in their life and that they, a, a lot of people just hide it better than others. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of power in taking the power back and, and saying, this isn't going to have control in my life. I'm going to be the one who decides. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, I think what happens in us when we deny that we are feeling that restlessness or we are feeling that pull to explore something deeper for ourselves that's continuing to come up for us, we are essentially denying our truest selves. We are denying that we have dreams and goals and desires or beliefs that we want to explore. Like we are literally denying ourselves, I think for the risk, I know for me for a long time, it was the fear of disappointing other people. So I was willing to disappoint myself. Ooh, damn. That's a, that's a tough place to stay too. I mean, you can stay there. Um, but like I was talking to a client or a potential client yesterday in doing end of life work for so long, my goal has been to help people die healed. And that's possible in some ways with when you have a really short timeline, like there's something about the realization of our mortality that can bring that out in people quickly. But why wait mm -hmm. to die healed when you could live healed? Yeah. When you could reach that place of healing in your life early so you can live the life you want to live so that you don't go to your deathbed scrambling because you didn't show up to your life. I'm letting that one sit for a second. Your eyes started softening. I really feel passionately about this. Yeah. Because dying healed is one thing, but living healed is what this world needs of you right now. Yeah. Live healed. Bitch. <laughs> Live healed, bitch. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, give us some love. In the lower right-hand corner, click the three dots, hit share and share it with your homies, or go to show and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to interact with us on Instagram, Katie is at Embrace Yourself Whole. Andrew is at Allegorian Elm Photography. And you can interact with both of us at, at Allegorian Elm Podcast. We are over on YouTube as well. Our YouTube channel is Allegory and Elm. We post our favorite bits from these episodes in video format over there. Lastly, we love engaging with you all. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Your story matters. Cheers. <laughs>